Football is about the Jimmys and Joes and X's and O's. Blue 58! Check New York Bozo! New York Bozo! 28, Baker Bruce! It's time to get out the chalkboard and diagram some plays. Here's where it all starts right here. Let's play! G-Money Christmas! What the hell's going on out here? This is Inside Football with former Colts and NFL coach Rick Venturi. Welcome to the week eight installment of Inside Football. Hi, everybody. I'm Matt Taylor, and we got a lot to talk about, so we're not going to beat around the bush here. Rick Venturi is back with his 41 years of coaching experience, and we're going to dissect the three, three, and one Colts and their upcoming game against the three and four Commanders. But first, RV, obviously, we need to talk more about the quarterback change. We talked about it on Monday when uh, the Sam Ellinger news was fresh, but uh, I guess we'll start. Has it hit you yet that the Colts are benching Matt Ryan and letting Sam Ellinger learn on the fly here for the next 10 games? And for me, I I totally understand what's going on in a lot of ways. And again, in a lot of ways, I agree with what's happening, but that's the surface level of all this. When you look at it that way, it's, it's pretty jarring. Yeah, it's a you know it's a risk reward situation. There's no doubt about it. I think what makes it so stunning is the fact that our you know when we traded for Matt Ryan, I mean I I, I can't believe there was anyone in town that wasn't excited about. It. I know I was. I mean I thought same here. You know, this is same here. exactly what we need. You know this guy's going to bring ability, uh, veteran leadership. It's going to happen very quickly. And, man, we are a contender. I mean, we are in the mix. But on the other hand, you know, after seven weeks, uh, it's probably my biggest disappointment, one of my biggest disappointments ever in football. I'll be honest with you. I I didn't see it coming. And, you know, in that respect, uh, it can't get any worse. Uh, I mean, you know, know, the 11 fumbles, the nine interceptions – and I know it's not all on him, but when the ball leaves your hand or, you know, leaves your, your grip, I mean, you're responsible for where it goes regardless, you know, and in that sense, it's really become intolerable. And, you know, because some of our other limitations, which I'll get into, which I think Ellinger can help us on, it just has not been the fit that we hoped it would be. As a matter of fact, it's an unfit in that situation. You know, so is it a risk-reward because you're going into the unknown? Absolutely it is. It takes cojones uh, to do this. But in my opinion, you know, the way it was going, uh, it, 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 to me, right. it warrants a change. And, and, it really and that's, does. And I agree with that as well. Again, there's two different ways to look at it. You could be astonished at the fact that it's Matt Ryan being benched, but then if you just take the names and faces away from the yes. equation and you look at the production, you watch the games, you come away thinking – yeah, something something needs to change here, and that's what's happening. No, that's right. I, I think that's the best way to put it. You know, I, I I would have probably two things. If Matt Ryan would have played okay, uh, or if I was looking at Ellinger from a year ago training camp, I wouldn't have said we can do this. Right. But right. I'm actually fine with it. I guess I, I'm, I don't know that I'm doing jumping jacks, but I'm actually fine with it because I do believe that Sam brings – some things to the table now uh basically you know what i thought and you know you know this i campaigned um in terms of my pulpit to uh to keep sam on the active roster at the end of training camp i I was fine with keeping three quarterbacks 
Uh, I was hoping we would even maybe travel with three because I thought, you know, several things. I thought that we all kind of know that he has a little bit of what people refer to as it. You know, there's just something about him you like. Mm-hmm. Um, he has the mobility and escapability. Uh, he has the ability to release the ball quickly, um, you know, in that regard. And then I think he helps our running game, which I'm going to get into. I think he can assist our running game. So there's a lot of things that I really like. Now, in the end, in the end, and we'll get back to the, we'll come back to this. In the end, what is going to make or break Sam is that there are, no matter how much you manage a game, there are eight, I would say between eight and sometimes 18. It just depends on the game, the team, situationally, what, where you're at, but where a quarterback has to make tight window throws, and particularly out of the pocket. And, you know, that's the unknown. The arm was a lot stronger. I, you know, if, if it would have been his rookie arm, I would have really doubted that he could do it. Here, I don't know because he has to prove it, but he showed a much better arm and the ability to release those second-level balls. Yeah. And so, I, you know, I think that's critical. Now, here's what I think he brings to you immediately, specifically. What have we had trouble with? Look, look at really our weakness. The three things are we haven't been able to establish a running game. Even though we have a great runner, we haven't been able to establish it. Two, we really haven't had protection of the quarterback. I mean, you know, we're bad in sacks, bad in blitz, blitz pickups. And number three, turnovers. You and I said all alone, if you just – if you don't fumble, if you punt yeah. on those series, you're still probably going to win the game. Right. So let's go back to the first one. Let's talk about the running game. Because I think the first thing that he brings is the wheels to the game that we haven't had and we certainly don't have in Matt or Foles. Now, what does that do for us? Well, you know, you've heard me say all year long, I don't want to wear this out, but teams have really gone to the unders and the sinks. They've all borrowed a page from Buddy Ryan to stop the game with those, you know, you know, getting two guys down on your guards, a guy in your center, two guys on the edge, and letting your linebackers fly. And honestly, that does stop, uh, you know, and then you bring one of the safeties down, it stops a zone running game, which we have become exclusively because we don't carry a fullback or we don't really even carry a hybrid in-line blocker. So we, we lack the off-tackle leads that you see Tennessee run or the off-tackle searches, or the powers, because we don't really have a lead blocker. So now, the only other thing you can do is now with Ellinger, you can run plays that you see on Saturday afternoon. You can see plays that um, Lamar Jackson runs. In other words, and I'm I'm not saying he's that kind of athlete, but now what you do with his legs, you have the threat of the zone read all the time that he can pull out. You can pull out and you can run an option play on the edge. Um, you can, you, and then you change the launch points of where he rolls. You can run, you know, like they do with Tannehill. You don't have to do it all the time or a ton, but Tannehill keeps you, uh, he keeps you honest. And in that sense, you're adding a gap to your running game. So now if you close with eight guys every time that Jonathan Taylor runs his own play, well, somebody's got to play that edge for the quarterback coming out. So I think it will have the effect of slowing that hard pursuit down and making people play more honest with you. I think, again, 
in that respect, you're adding a gap to the running game. You still don't have the leads, but you can freeze with the run to the tailback right. and still have another dimension. Number two, on the protection. There's two things that Sam does well. Number one, if you if you watched him even the last two years, he does get rid of the ball quick. He he kind of always knew what his limitations are, so he will get the ball out of there very, very fast on the quick rhythm drop back. And then number two, again, he possesses escapability, which is terrific. And, you know, and I, I, I say this kind of tongue-in-cheek, but, you know, playing in those second halves with bad offensive lines, he's used to pressure. I mean, he's used to getting out of trouble. Right. So this isn't going to be anything new for him. And then number three, because of his versatility – you can move the pocket. You can now run the rollouts, the half rolls, what we call West Coast sprints. You can run the bootlegs. All those things, escapability, new launch uh, launch points are important, you know, and quick rhythm passing. So I think in that respect, you can aid the protection now, both with quick rhythm, but also if it breaks down, if a blitz comes clean, he may be able to get out of the way extend and he does he has shown this ability to extend and he's always poised and he can make the big play downfield I, I i believe we've seen it we've seen it both last year and this summer so you know i think those two things really really make a difference again you know the ability to move him around all those type of things i think can help it and then ball security is just what it is and i think that he's very reliable kid with a lot of leadership skills. I think if you tell him, hey, listen, we're going into this game, and Sam, if, if, if it's not there, if you're not advantaged on third and long, we'll punt. We have the right to punt and go play defense, which has been pretty good for us all right. year long. So right. I think that he can affect those three things. Again, it will come down to can he make, and <laughs> I don't know, I, I believe he can, I, I but I, can he make those tight window throws when, in fact, it's third and eight, yeah. when you're in the red zone, when you're in two minutes? Those three specialized aspects is where you judge your quarterback. But here's what I think. You know, you you, you have a whole season to play. You're 3-3-1. Three, three, and one. You know, despite some of the depression in town, you're 3-3-1 three, three, and one with 10 games to go. Tennessee has a one-game lead on you, but that's it. And, you know, forget the South standings for a minute. At the end of the year, your, your, your first judge is what is your overall record. So if you can get it together and you can package it, maybe you salvage the season with this move. And you know what, you know what Matt, if the worst thing happens, if the worst thing, let's say that it doesn't work out, let's say that he doesn't do well, then we go on. We're no worse off than we were coming into this week. Yeah. And by the end of and you've the got year, an evaluation, so right? You've got a, where you stand. Yeah. You've yeah. got a ten game evaluation on on how how urge I use the word urgency. How how yeah. how much urgency you need to have in terms of attacking the off season with knowing you you got to get a quarterback. Where where does Ellinger factor into that equation of your urgency to get the franchise quarterback in the off season? Absolutely. You know, we, we all, I think there's not a, a person that sits there and watches every practice in the, in the summertime at Grand Park for two years or watches preseason games that don't feel like this might happen and we might have something here. Yeah. Uh, you know, Drew Brees did not have a superior gun and is headed for Canton, Ohio. There's a lot of guys that because of the other things, the it factors, 
uh, they make it happen. And so, again, if it gets turned around and we make a run, then we're going to be so happy because maybe we have that long-term quarterback. And if not, you know, then we're going to have to work our way into that lottery and make a change and go from there. So, you know, again, to me, in a funny way, it's a win-win. Last thing on Sam Ellinger, then we'll move on to the Commanders in Week 8, Rick. What What is the best-case scenario here for the Colts? I mean, obviously, record-wise, he goes, you know, 8-2, and 7-3, and three, and the Colts make a push for the playoffs. They win uh, one of those wild-card spots. But, you know, the offense is trying to find life here with a different skill set. But but how, how many growing pains do you anticipate seeing on Sunday with Sam Ellinger making his first career start? Well, there's going to be some growing pains, and I think the biggest thing that you talk to him about is know when to hold him and know when to fold him. Know when to make a play and know when to fold him. I think where Matt Ryan has really struggled and failed this season is he forgot to know when to fold him. You know, when the pocket is dirty, when there's nothing there, instead of trying to force it and trying to make some great play that you're not capable of, you end up turning it over. And I think, number one, I think his athleticism and his smarts will help him make the transition quickly. But I think, number two, is what you have to emphasize and what he wants to do is take care of the football, ball security. And then as a team, it's not just him. The other thing that we failed at is we have yet to put all three phases together. And maybe it's the naivety in me, maybe it's the homer in me, but I think we're better than we've played. I really do. I don't think that we're a 3-3-1 three, three, team. I think we're better than that. But we're only better than that when our defense plays like it did you know, at Denver and like it did last week and not like it played at Jacksonville and like our offense played at Jacksonville and our special teams had a little bit of a backup last week because of punting and returning. But if you put all three of those things together – then that's going to pick up your quarterback play as well. So, yeah, I just think that we've got to get this whole operation. It starts at the top, and it's that day-to-day, you know, that day-tide capsule. It's not even week-like It's just win Tuesday, win Wednesday, yeah, win yeah. Thursday. And then you carry that naturally over into Sunday, and then you got to go out. Every game's our Super Bowl. That's what it comes down to. No doubt about that after a 3-3-1 three, three and one start. All right, we've talked plenty about the quarterback move. There's still a game to be played, and, uh, again, the Colts uh, think that that move can salvage the season and make a run. We'll see. Let's talk about the Commanders. They're up next here on the big picture, Rick. They come into this game 3-4. and four. They've won back-to-back games, including a 23-21 win over the Packers last Sunday, and their starting quarterback, Carson Wentz, he's hurt. He's on IR with a hand injury. So they've turned things over to Taylor Heineke, who started 16 games for him last season. He went 8-8 eight and eight as the starter a year ago. Last week had a pretty good game, completed 60% of his passes, two touchdowns, but did throw a pick. Uh, he's a solid quarterback, Rick, but he will make his fair share of mistakes throughout the course of a game. 24 career touchdowns to 19 interceptions. Um, on offense, they've got a lot of skill highlighted by Indianapolis native Terry McLaurin. Uh, They've got a talented stable of running backs, Antonio Gibson, Brian Robinson, and they, too, like the Colts, 
have really struggled with turnovers. They're minus five in the giveaway-takeaway battle. Uh, then on defense, they're middle of the pack stat-wise, except for on third down. They rank number two in that department. Jonathan Allen, who I know you like, that's one of the best defensive tackles in the game. Montez Sweat a threat at defensive end. And then Chase Young is reportedly coming back to practice this week, but it's unclear if he's going to play this week against the Colts. He tore his ACL towards the end of the season last year. So that's the big picture on the Commanders. Rick, what else stands out to you about Washington coming into this game? Well, I think what stands out to me is, number one, I, I think what you saw last week is their formula to win. You know, they come in three and four, really feeling good about themselves. Heineke brings a bit of a charisma to them. It's not like he's new at it. He, like you said, he was eight and eight, played a whole season with decent statistics, not bad at all. And he came in and had a pretty doggone good opening day. But they are very much like Tennessee. They have to win very much like Tennessee in that they have to run the ball to win. Now, their overall run statistics have been very bad all season, and that hurt them. But last, last week, they got 166 against Green Bay. Robinson is back, a kid that got shot in, the, in that deal. And, you know, him and Gibson are good running backs, and they proved it last week. I mean, they came out – ran possessed, got good blocking, and ended up with 166 yards uh, rushing, which ate clock for them, and it kept them out of bad situations. And then to complement that, they have to play great defense, lights-out defense, and they did a really, really good job of that last week against Green Bay. They played great defense, and they rushed the football very well, and that is their formula. So, you know, when you when you talk about stopping them, you know, that's really what it what it comes down to. And you're right. You know, they've got good skill on offense, you know, uh McLaren again from right here in Indianapolis and Samuel are two very, very good receivers. They're not blazers, but they're really good. They make a lot of plays. I'll get into specifics on the musts. You know, they, their tight ends have caught 26 balls collectively. Dotson, the rookie out of Penn State, was off to a great start, and he was going to give them the deep threat. You know, he's problematic with an injury. They've used Brown in there. That has been their biggest problem. But good runners, good receivers, offensive line, good on the run, terrible on the pass. Quarterback, again, we, we never know. You never know what you're going to get from week to week. And then on defense, they're very solid. They, you know, they'll, when I'll get into this, they use a lot of personnel ratios, but basically they are very basic. They're very much like the Buffalo Bills. They're going to play nickel all day, various forms of nickel, but they're not real complicated. I mean, they're a cover four team, four man front team, a little bit of blitz, not overwhelmingly a blitz team, but, you know, they play very, very soundly. And again, they're really good in the middle. Allen, is right there with Grover Stewart, guys that are just playing great in yeah. the interior, just great both run and pass. And Payne, his running mate from Alabama, is very good. He plays right next to him. They got a, you know, they got a lot of sacks. You mentioned it on defense. They're good on third down. They're good in the red zone, and they're and they're good in sacks, which is reminiscent of Tennessee, right? It was very much like Tennessee on on both sides of the ball. So, you know, that's what I see. Ron Rivera, of course, is a a uh, very, very good, uh, very veteran, steady coach. Yep. Um, you know, I, I think he's like 96 and 91, but he's he's had two different jobs. He doesn't panic. And, again, that three and four 
And then with that win next week, they're coming in, I think, feeling pretty good about themselves. All right, let's talk about the blueprints. Let's roll them out to beat the Commanders. Let's begin with the Washington offense. They're guided by O.C. Scott Turner, who's the son of former head coach in the NFL, Norv Turner. And they're, they're kind of like the Colts on that side of the ball. They get a lot of players involved. They've used four tight ends, four running backs, a lot of receivers. Obviously, they're on their second quarterback. Uh, their best skill players are Terry McLaurin, who went to Cathedral, won a state championship. Every year he was there in Indianapolis, he was named Indiana Mr. Football back in 2013. He ranks third in franchise history in receiving yards in a player's first three seasons. Antonio Gibson at running back, he can catch it, he can run it. He himself coming off a 1,000-yard season last year, and he's looking to become the first Washington player to record 2,500 rushing yards and 100 receptions within his first three seasons. They've also got Curtis Samuel and Jahan Dotson, very good players on the outside. Logan Thomas, their starting tight end, he's been banged up, so they've turned to John Bates and Cole Turner in that regard. Uh, but their Achilles heel, Rick, is their offensive line. Yep. They've allowed 24 sacks on the season, just like the Colts. They haven't held up in pass protection, trying to figure that out. What else are you looking at when the commanders have the ball on Sunday against the Colts? No, you're, you're right. You're right all the way across the board. Uh, North Turner's son, Scott, is very much like his father. You know, they like to run the ball with multiple tight ends on early downs, um, you know, with those two runners, particularly Gibson and now Robinson, who they really like, who has come back after the injury. And then if they get on third down, they've got a real cute back in McKissick. We've seen him with different teams. He's a really good third down back who can catch it coming out of the backfield and run special plays. So they're very capable there. I think the thing you got to know about the receivers, we've talked about them, McLaren, McLaren is the outside guy. He is the guy that is going to work outside the numbers when they want to take a shot outside they're going to throw it up he caught a big 50 50 ball last week or sometimes they'll drive in shallow across field but primarily mclaren is a guy you have to defend outside the numbers and that i would put gilmore on him to tell you the truth i think he's the outside guy that you want gilmore to shut down then in the slot is where samuel really excels he's really an in i call it an interior receiver most of his stuff is inside or options. He's really big with them on that third and five to seven, that money down. That's where they're going to go to him or one of the tight ends, as you said, combined. They have 26 catches, so they are they are present there. Um, and be alert for Brown or Dotson if they're in the game for, you know, the go route, the shot uh, in that regard. So, I mean, that, you know, that's where they are. You, you hit it right on the head with the offensive line. They're decent on the running game, but they are the worst. I, I thought Tennessee, as far as pass blocking, might be the worst. Uh, they will be superseded by this team. I'll get into it on the must, but you can take a number on this. Again, he likes multiple tight ends early. One thing about the Turner family, and you'll see it unfold Sunday, they love three-by-one sets, either regular three-by-one or what I call speed three-by-one, where they – put all three receivers to one side. Now, the reason I'm making this point is his father made a living with the Cowboys on this way back when is what they do. They get in that three by one, either way, tight end week or X week McLaren McLaren. And what they do is they look you over. If you play split safeties, they'll go strong. If you leave that guy one-on-one, -on -one, they're coming back weak. It's just 
almost totally predictable. So, you know, you just got to know that game plan-wise going in. I think as far as our defensive must, I think this is a game where you just have to dominate the front, Matt, and you have to stop the run cold. You can't do anything that relieves pressure on a new quarterback or an offensive line that can't block the pass. You know, again, they have on the surface – they don't have good run statistics, but they pounded Green Bay for 166, and that was Gibson and Robinson, and they looked good last week. So, again, number one, no rushing game whatsoever. Number two, know the receivers like I just talked about. Know what they're going to do. What they, they He really specializes, just like his father did. They specialized receivers on what their role is within the offense. You know that match up properly, take them away. You know, with the exception of Dotson, Slats, Brown, their two best receivers are really good, but they're not super fast. They're not blazing. So, again, I'd like Gilmore on McLaren outside, and I would like more on on, on the slot on Samuel. Again, third and five to eight when money's on the table, get a double on Samuel in that situation. All right, number three, get ahead in the count. Assume we do the first two, get ahead in the count, and then kill this offensive line. I think Charles, the right guard, number 77, I think he's the worst in the league. I think if we can get Buckner on him, number one, or then number two, get him on left guard, Norwell, I don't think either guy can block him. I think both tackles struggle with speed, so give them athleticism get them up and come in, different things athletically. And then their center is is a guy that has trouble with strength. You know, so <laughs> let's just have Grover either drive him to Shapiro's or take him to Monument <laughs> Circle. I mean, just just drive, you know, like he did in that Detroit I practice. think he's capable of doing that, right? He is capable of doing that. But you gotta you got to win those battles. And then uh, number four, uh, you got to win in the red zone. They play very, very good in the red zone. They are a hard match, what we call match four team quarters across the board, and they do a real good job on your wide receivers, on your two threes, on your two and ones to the outside. Where they're vulnerable, even on man coverage, is on the number three receiver. Just like we hit last week, uh, we hit uh, Paris on what I call a shave route. The two outside guys come in, and he runs to the corner. Number three runs to the corner. I've always called that a shave route because they shave the end line. And I think that is there along with what we call the three-nod where you fake like you're going to go out and then you come right back in the middle because they will undress number three in their coverage, uh, both man and zone. So, again, you got to get in there and score in the red zone. And I think, finally, you know, mix and pressure uh, Heineke. I, I, he, you know, force him into bad decisions. His quarterback, his touchdown quarterback rating is like 22-16. and 16. He will force the ball, and he does have the ability to throw it away and get some picks. So, you know, he's very capable of turning into a pumpkin. So let's let's strike midnight and turn him into a pumpkin. No doubt about it. Good Halloween reference right there. That's Rick Venturi. <laughs> I'm Matt Taylor. Uh, this is Inside Football. All right, let's switch over to the commanders on defense. That unit guided by former Jaguars head coach Jack Del Rio. He's bounced around the NFL in recent years. Uh, the commanders giving up only 22 points per game, and they've allowed just 28 points combined in the last two games going into this one. 
Uh, the passing defense has been a liability, especially giving up touchdowns. They've allowed 14 touchdowns already on the season. Uh, but the one area that they are elite in, third down. They rank number two in the NFL in that regard. In fact, the other day, uh, they held the Packers to just 0 for 6. 0 for 6 on third down, 0 for 1 on fourth down in their win at home. And uh, as we stated earlier, Jonathan Allen, a beast at defensive tackle, ranks first in the NFL among defensive tackles and quarterback hits since the start of last season and is 27 sacks since 2018, fifth most among defensive tackles in that span. Uh, Cole Holcomb, pretty good linebacker. They like to blitz him on passing downs. The secondary gets a lot of action. They play a lot of players, and they primarily play nickel in the secondary most of the game, again, intermixing a lot of different uh, players and personnel in the back end. But but what else does Sam Ellinger and the Colts offense, Rick, need to know about the commander's defense in this game? No, you're right. Jack Del Rio actually got his coaching start with me as my assistant. I feel like an old man. All these guys have been my assistants <laughs> at different spots back in New Orleans. And, you know, uh, despite pedestrian numbers, with the exception of, as you said, third down red zone yeah. and sacks, the numbers are pedestrian, but this is a much better defense than the, a lot like Tennessee, a lot better. And they are tough up front. You don't want to get behind an account because you don't want to get into that third and long. Just you, you talked about it. Don't get in that third and long where you can turn Allen and Payne loose inside and Smith-Williams sweat, Nobata outside. No, th that's where they're really, really good. So you got to stay ahead in account. You're right. Holcomb is a very, very good middle linebacker, underrated. Fulmer's a solid number one. Fuller is a solid number one corner. But they're unsettled at two. I think they'll go with St. Just. He he got it last week against the Packers and played decent enough to stay in there. Now Jack does he doesn't give you a bunch of complexities, but he uses a lot of different personnel groupings. And so by situation, as you said, they'll play nickel, but they play different nickels. Okay, when they're in their regular nickel, then. Wild Goose, number 37, they, they're the all-name team. Wild Goose, number 37, plays the nickel, you know, with Fuller at then one corner and St. Juiced at the other corner. Now, if it's first down and you have your 12 or 13 personnel in the game, then they take their good safety curl, number 31, and they play him at the nickel, which I'm going to refer to as the big nickel because that's really now a safety down in there. Uh, for the run in that regard. So, again, you're going to see nickel, but you're going to see different kinds of nickel depending on the situation. And, again, they play right and left tackle, so either Payne, um, either, either Payne or uh, on my man Allen can, can be the nose tackle from that standpoint. And, and you're exactly right. I mean, you know, Allen is just – he's just a beast, to be honest with you. I could use other terms, but he is a beast. Uh, they are, again, very much like – Buffalo, in terms of their X's and O's, they they love cover four, four cross with a lot of matchup hard underneath. They spin the safeties for the run. They play different kinds of four, and then their changeup is their man-to-man -man free, which they always have somebody in the hole to protect on inside routes. So it's by and large a cover four or cover one. There's a little three buzz, occasionally a six-man pressure. Um, you know, some cover three and a little, a little bit of uh, two man and long yardage and and a little bit of trap, but it's primarily cover four and cover one. 
this team, again, is tough in three areas. Third down, number two in the league, red zone, top ten, and they can rush the passer, top ten. Now, as far as the must, and again, I think we it's kind of the reverse of our defense. We must win first down, and we must stay ahead of the count. And you do that different ways. I think you have to have smart runs. You've got to be able to run the ball at them. Now, what I mean by smart runs, because those tackles are interchangeable, you want to run some powers to the tight side where you double the three, regardless of who it is, whether it's Payne or whether it's Allen. Now, when you run back to the bubble against this team, instead of just running zone back there and let Allen get in your backfield like Grover does to us, do what I call C-blocking. Block the guard down on him and pull Kelly around so they exchange so you don't give him the advantage of running down the line. That's what I mean by smart runs. Also, take your tight ends, two tight ends to one side at times, shift them over like um, Jacksonville did to us, make them run that nickel over, and then hit right where that right where that new strength is. Reverse quickly early in the game to slow down their um, their flow. Now, the one big changeup that he uses if you're running the ball, he will put a five-man front in the game and run the double sink that everybody, you know, it's the defense of the year. And what they do, they substitute. They put five guys, five guys down, and then they either have two linebackers and four backs or they go 5-1-5, five, five, depending on the situation. But that's if you're, if you're gashing them on the run or you're hurting them, you're going to see that thing right away. So I think that's, that's number one. Number two is you've got to get those two interior guys blocked. It's just like, you know, it's like last week. We talked about it. You've got to get Simmons blocked. You've got to get Autry blocked. And, you know, when you don't do it, we pay the consequences. And it's the same thing with these two guys, with Allen and, 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 and Payne. They have seven and a half sacks combined. It's a dynamic twosome on third down. And basically, they are a power rush team, even on the outside uh, with Sweat and Smith-Williams. They, are, they like to power you. They're big guys that can physically crush the pocket. But when they look at our film, you know that they're going to bring that fifth guy. They're going to bring Holcomb in there just like the Titans, you know, bring Long all day. And then when they do that, Matt, they're going to twist because they know they got you one-on-one, bringing five. And so you're going to see Texas and Toms and inside twists. So we have to be alert for that. And, again, if we get in a disadvantage, if we have to take the sack, do not turn it over. Number three, attack their two-corner. I think Fuller is pretty solid. I want to go after St. Juice number 25. He was the nickel because they had so much trouble at the two-corner. They made him the two-corner. I think you can go after him. And what I want to do is isolate him outside with Pierce, nobody else. I want Pierce on him like we did uh, in Jacksonville against Griffith, and I want to take my shots. I want to get after him in the deep part of the field one-on-one and take my shots and take enough of them. If I, if I hit two shots out of seven throws, that's 14 points right there. So you don't have to be high percentage. Let's just go after him, throw it where we can get it and they can't get it. Then I think you can throw underneath their coverage. I think, you know, they play fairly soft on first down at the corner position. They're naked at the corner. So I think you can throw underneath them. And then you have to have what I call your four beaters, cover four beaters deep, which are double post, the scissors where you run the, the Z out in post, 
the slot to the corner. That kind of screws up the corners, and then you run layers on them. And then I think you can work them underneath. Number four must work them underneath because most of their coverage, when you think about this, when you're playing four deep across the board or man-free, that's really four guys, and then you have a bunch of linebackers underneath, linebackers and dimes. And there, there's really only usually three guys, uh, to oversimplify it. So a lot of your underneath routes, your, your options, your what I call your jerk routes, all those things that go underneath, and then play action and bring guys underneath. Bootlegs, you know, particularly now with, um, with Sam, bootlegs and bring guys across yeah. where you get those linebackers moving and now you go. I think that is really uh, bigger than ever. And then when you get what we, what we want to do, we want to be in a crusade to get be third down in one to five. That's where you want to be. You don't want to be third and nine where you got to take time, where you have to have a lot of protection. If we go third and three, four all day, now we can run rollouts, we can run boots, we and they're going to be in heavy man-to-man coverage. We can run all those crossing things that we do really well and get the ball to Pittman. So, again, be ready to go. And then I would say this, too. Now that we have Sam at quarterback, if it's third and long, they like to play two-man, which is that means they take everybody takes a man and they play double high safeties behind it. They take away your inside crossing routes and everything and try to rush with four. The problem is if you have a running quarterback and he sees that coverage, yeah. the first crack he he sees, he can take it and run it. And that's and that's important because that's a hard coverage to throw into. It's a stuff you coverage, but the downside is when I was a defensive coordinator, it you it was scary to play against terrific athletes at quarterback. So again, Sam, don't be afraid to use your legs. I mean, I think you'll do it instinctively. I don't think I have to tell you that because right. We've seen it. So, I mean, I think that's critical. And, again, that that's what we have to do. You know, at the end of the day, my big three when I evaluate a team is points given up, QBR, and turnover ratio. And, honestly, we should win this game. I mean, Washington is 19th in points given up at 22-5. Their QBR, it's only one game, but it's basically that way, 39-9. And their turnover ratio is minus five, number 31. So, Again, there are a lot of reasons that we should, you know, get on top in this game. Yeah, two teams in a similar boat, right? Three, three, and one, yes. three, and yep. four. Although the Colts lost last week, uh, Washington coming into this game back-to-back wins. And to close out, let's let's keep it simple. Let's talk about that record <laughs> because it's not it's not no. indicative of the Colts' talent. There's no doubt about that. There is too much talent and and too much pride on this team to be quite frank with you uh for this team to be sitting where they're at and now they're making a drastic change at quarterback but you are what your record says you are you know that old Bill Parcells line but what is your level of optimism that this this change at QB at the top Rick will galvanize the Colts inside the locker room and inspire them to make a push with 10 games to play after digging themselves into this hole to start the season well, I think it certainly can give us some juice. I think any time you make a change like this, you're telling your team we're going to find every every option, every possibility we can to win. We're not sitting on this. We're not sitting on failure. And so I, I think in that respect, it's it's inspirational to some degree. Now, it's only going to last as long as you perform. That's that's number one. I do believe, I'm with you, I, I, I believe this, and I don't think, uh, you know, I'm, 
never been a homer in that sense. I've been an analyst. You know, I think we're better than we've played. But the capability has to be determined by all three phases playing well. This can't just be Sam here. This has got to be defense, another really good game, special teams, great game. Everybody has to pick up their play from the top of our franchise to the bottom. Uh, You know, it hasn't been good enough, and I think the change certainly will help it. I think the only way you do this, though, really, and I talked a little bit about it a minute ago, is this is about staying in the process. And when you're in this situation, to me, it's living in not weekly compartments, day-to-day compartments, whereas you win every day as it comes. Like today is Wednesday. It's important for the Colts to go out and win Wednesday on the practice field, in the meeting rooms. Same way with Thursday. Same way with Friday. And then you carry it into Sunday. This now is about winning one game, and the Commanders are our Super Bowl. To me, with 10 games to go, the latter to win the division title and to get in the playoffs is still there, but the ladder is climbed one step at a time and only one step. Sunday is our step. No doubt about it. One step at a time, baby. That's that's how you get back into this thing. One opportunity at a time, one day at a time. That's a great breakdown, as always, from Rick Venturi. My man, really appreciate the blueprints and the knowledge uh, like I said before, I think I said this on Monday. Nobody ever accused the Colts of being dull, right? They might nope. not, they might not be where they want to be, but they're interesting as hell. And you, and you break it down, I should say, every week here on the podcast. Absolutely, and you know what? You know, give them credit for Cajones. I mean, it's it's an unknown. We're going with an unknown. There's no doubt about it. But rather than sit and say this status quo mm-hmm. is going to do it, you know, more of the same. No, 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 no. We're going to change it. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work, but let's go get it. No doubt. All right, my friend, have a great rest of the week. We'll see you on Sunday, Colts Commanders, and uh, the Sam Ellinger Show. I'm, I'm eager to see it. I'm excited for it. Me too. Me too, Matt. I will be too. That's awesome. Rick Venturi right there, and that'll do it for Inside Football this week. As always, for the latest on the Colts, check out Colts.com, the Colts mobile app, and be sure to subscribe to everything on the Colts Audio Network. We've got the podcast from earlier this week, Colts Roundtable Live featuring Rick and Joe Wrights, an interview with Tarek Glenn, who's going to be uh, inducted into the Colts Ring of Honor coming up on Sunday. His thoughts, his excitement for that, and his big day coming up on Sunday. Check it all out again on the Colts Audio Network. Search Colts, and we'll uh, pull up for you wherever you download your podcast. Again, for Rick Venturi, I'm Matt Taylor, and we will talk to you next Wednesday on another installment of Inside Football with Rick Venturi right here on the Colts Audio Network. So long.